Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james, netsuite.com slash james netsuite.com slash james this isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host this is the james altucher show today on the james altucher show so originally I brought Jeff Lerner on to help me with uh, one of the Side Hustle Fridays. I hope you listened to this one. It was so valuable. It was uh, about a week or so ago uh, about how to set up a digital agency. I'm even trying to tell my own daughters, if you want to make money and start a business, but you don't have a lot of startup money, start a digital agency. That's how I started my first business in the 90s with zero money. I started a digital agency. And I asked on uh, Jeff Lerner, who had his own digital agency just fairly recently. He had, uh, you know, 50 employees and tens of thousands of clients. I asked him to come on to Side Hustle Fridays to explain it. But we started talking before we started recording for Side Hustle Fridays. And he told me he had dropped out of high school to be a jazz pianist. And so I wanted to hear all about this, not only about dropping out of high school, which I fully respected, but also what are the skills needed to learn? He, he said he didn't even start playing the piano until he was 16 or 17. And within two or three years, he was a professional jazz pianist. So I wanted to find out how did he learn it so fast? What are the skills to become like a great improviser on the piano or in music? Like how did he learn music theory? Did he have a magical ear, which he didn't? And... He told me, and it was just a fascinating story. So we're releasing it as a podcast. So here's the jazz pianist.
So actually, Jeff, first, before we start, uh, uh, to be a jazz piano player, did you have to be really good at like improv? Yeah, that was the name of the game, pretty much. Like, could you hear a song, like a TV theme song, and just like start riffing around it on the piano? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That was, was my that skill, I was or did you have parties. an ear? Did, did you, did you, was that talent or skill? Like, did you have an ear right from the beginning, or did you have to build that skill? I definitely had to build it. I mean, I had enough aptitude that I knew it would be worth investing the time. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try for years and not get it. I knew that. But you still have to build it. I'll tell you how I trained my ear. I'll tell you quickly, because I know that's not what we're here to talk about. But so there's only 12 intervals, right? There's like, you know, a half step, a whole step, a minor third, a major third, a fourth, you know, and so on. And every one of those intervals, we all have the ability to know what those intervals sound like. We just don't usually know the name for it. And I'll give you an example. Like, if I say, do you know the song, like, uh, like uh, The Way You Look Tonight, Frank Sinatra. Someday when oh, yeah. I'm down in the... Yeah. yeah, someday, da da. Like if I said, like, hum me the melody from that song, you you could get the first two notes, right? Yeah. You just may not realize you just sang a perfect fifth. Uh, I see. So you, what what would you do? Would you just? So I, I came up with a song for every interval. So like uh, like a half step, like for Elise, like hum me for Elise, da 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 That's a half step. Yeah. So I just memorized the first two notes of a song for every single interval. And that's how over time I conditioned myself to just kind of learn what the intervals sound, sounded like. First, it was what they sounded like. And eventually it became what they felt like. Well, what do you mean? Um, so, you, so like with Fur Elise, you would just remember those two notes. And then what would you do? You would riff. A, then would you memorize the next two notes? Well, or? It's, it's kind of like language. Like initially you, you learn the specific symbols and how to cluster them together to form words. And, and eventually it just becomes automatic and it flows and you create speech, right? So, so that was, those were my building blocks were intervals and then, uh, you know, more advanced combinations of intervals become chords. Uh, but but like you would also have to know the key everything was in, right? You'd have to know the interval plus the key. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's more to it than just stacking intervals, but you know, it's all, it's all math, but you have to train your ear to hear the math. But I mean, we could talk all about it at length, but I was very methodical. I had flashcards. I didn't start playing till I was 17 years old. So, and I was professional by 20. Wow. And I was, prof I and I became a that. professional musician because I didn't want to ever have to get a job. And I'm like, this is something I can do to get paid enough to live. And so I went on a, I dropped out of high school and I went full on 10 hours a day, self-taught, I will become a professional musician, but I know I'm already 10 years behind. So how can I be as efficient and as effective as possible? I had flashcards. I mean, you could be like, Jeff, tell me, you know, rattle off the notes of the C-sharp melodic minor scale and I'll just do it. I mean, I, I learned the math because one of the things I realized is my hands are always going to be a decade behind. You know, the, 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 the mechanics of playing the piano are something that it's so much easier to start developing before you go through puberty. Because then as your muscles and your, your connective tissues grow, they're, they're already pliable and they're already doing those things. Because I was 10 years behind, I knew that I had to be better up here because I would never be as good down here. That's so interesting. And then so it, did it get to a point where you would hear a song and you would say, oh, okay, that's a C sharp uh, minor fifth or whatever? 
Yeah, I never, I never fully nailed perfect pitch. Perfect pitch is the one thing that I truly do believe is either you got it or you don't. But what I got good at is referential pitch placement. Like right now, I was listening to a song this morning that was uh, Mercy by Muse. I was listening to it at the gym. I can still hear it. And I happen to know it starts on the four chord in G, which means I'm still, I still have a C ringing in my, my ear, so to speak. So I have a reference point and I'll have it for the rest of the day. So I could tell you any other note, I could tell you any other chord. But if you give me, if I, if I don't hear any music for a week, for example, I lose that. Would you, um, let's say you're a professional, would you have a fake book? So if someone said, hey, play, oh, yeah. uh, you know, whatever, I don't know. But yeah, play Misty, play The Way You Look Tonight, play What a Wonderful World, play, yeah, so I mean. The fake book is just like the chords, and then how would you start thinking about coming up with the song around those chords? Like you had a kind of a standard bunch of, oh, okay, they're gonna, this is a minor third, I would see, I, here's what I usually play for that. Yeah, yeah, you learn every note in relationship to every other note in any possible combination of all notes. You, you learn, you attribute a specific mathematical function, and some people don't learn this way. Some people, I think, are much more instinctive than me. I understood music intellectually before I really internalized it. It's just my process. So yeah, I mean, if I have a tune, what a wonderful world, I just, I mean, now I know that when it goes da-da-da-da-da-da, when it hits that note, it lifts, and it goes to a, it does a three, six, two, five, one cadence. So if I know what key we're in, I know what that is. I know what are the logical substitutions for those chords. I know what are the interesting color tones you can add on top of those chords to jazz it up. Like, like, let's say it was just real basic. Like it's a, a C chord is kind of the, the, the skeleton, the backbone of a song. What would you, how would you start to enhance that? You know, typically the first thing you do is you add a seventh. So, so a, 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 your basic major triad is, is one, three, five. It's the root, the third, and the fifth of any whatever key you're in. So C, E, G. Yes. So if I want to kind of start to spice it up a little, I might, first thing I'd probably do is add a B, which is the seventh. Yeah. And that's going to immediately soften it and give it a little more of a jazz feel. Now, if I add a, if I add a B flat, I'm actually, I'm out of the key at that point. Now, what I've done is I've created the dominant chord. I've slipped into F major. So as soon as I turn the B to a B flat, it wants to resolve to F, mm. which is the four chord. So, so, you know, but I might add like an F sharp to a C chord, and that's going to give it this spacey, it's called the Lydian mode. It's going to give it like this spacey feel that you hear in like classic rock music. Um, I could add an A, which would be the six, and then it's going to sound like more like Scott Joplin, like ragtime, major six chords. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I can geek, I can go from there. I mean, there's a lot, I could add a C sharp, which is going to give you a minor ninth, which is the most dissonant interval, and it's going to sound like a wrong note unless you resolve it creatively. Then it sounds really cool. What, what do you mean by resolve it? Like, because you can't use any note. Like, let's say you you, you do the B flat, so now you're in the F chord. Uh, what does it mean to resolve in a pleasant way? To you know, there's a the loaded interval. I mean, you sound like you know a, a, 
enough about I, music I, I to could, be dangerous. I yeah. could read, I, I read music for piano as a kid, but not, you know, in 30 years. So, so the really, the key to understanding how music tends to cycle through, or I would say a key, it's kind of like maybe m the most basic element of tension and resolution is um, what they call tritones, which is a flatted fifth. And so if you take a C chord, C, E, G, and you add the minor seventh, which is B flat, the reason it wants to resolve is because the relationship between the E and the B flat is a, is a minor fifth. It's a tritone. Mm. That interval wants to, it either wants to collapse in or it wants to expand out. So the, the natural, think about it, if you take, and, and you, are you following, like you can picture that kind of C, E, G, B flat? Yeah. And the E and the B flat is what's called a tritone and it wants to collapse in. So when it collapses in, if you take an E and move it up and a B flat and move it down, what do you get? Like a F or a G? You get an F and an A. Mm -hmm. And that is the first and the third of the F major chord. So that tritone is really dissonant and it wants to collapse in. And that's, that is actually why the dominant chord, which is when you make the, the seventh minor, why it wants to collapse to, to a major four chord, because that tritone just releases, you know, it's, the, the language is, is esoteric. It's hard to describe, but that no, is No, no, but that's is. interesting. So, so, and uh, sorry for the questions on this, but I'm really curious. And then we'll, uh, so, you, so let's say, a, uh, I don't know what twinkle, twinkle little star is. I feel like that's like a C. Core, yeah, basic. and that's another fifth. Duh, duh, duh. I think that was actually the tune I used for a fifth. Duh, 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 duh. That's a fifth. And so, so let's say you're, if something's in the C chord, what did, what did it mean? You just hit like after you after you play the C chord, you just go straight to a B flat, and then how do you how do you kind of melodically resolve? Like what did, again? What does it mean? Like I I hear what you're saying. Like it, it wants to move into the the. Um, F or the A, but how do you do that so it's musical? So it, it feels like it's still part of the song that's, that's, you're still saying the language of the song. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you know, a lot of it is driven by the idiom, like twinkle, twinkle, little star, nursery rhyme type tune, you know, kids sing along, you want to keep it pretty basic. I mean, da, 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 da. I mean, that, the da, da, the A the sixth, you know, theoretically, you'd probably just keep it over the C major triad because mm -hmm. a lot of harmonic shifting isn't going to feel very nursery rhymey, right? It's not going to feel like kids music. But that's okay. I'm just thinking from a jazz perspective. Yeah, but if you wanted to be like real crazy, if you wanted to be bluesy, you would make that A the third of a dominant, uh, of an F minor, or sorry, an F dominant chord. So it'd be like a, a dominant four chord. Um, if you wanted to be, you know, classic Rocky, you might move it up to a D major, make it the fifth of a D major chord, because then you're going to bring in that F sharp, which is going to have that open Lydian sound against the C original key of C. You know, you could make it the root of an A dominant chord, which would become what's called a secondary dominant that wants to resolve to D minor, which is the two. So what would that sound like? Can, uh, if you can rub, I know it's, not uh, easy to do it with just no humming. hey i mean listen do you guys have time like i yeah. dude i love this stuff if you're not in a hurry no no i'll make this like a little mini podcast <laughs> oh is he gonna break out his oh no is that a steinway
Yeah. Okay, so... So that's like one option. That's like a pretty tonal option. So you got your C E. So that's just taking the chords that you might see in a fake book and simply playing them with some effect. Yeah, and the, the, what I did though is I took, I expanded the chord. So I took a, this is called an inversion. So by moving the bass from the root to the third, I create what's called a first inversion. And then I open the chord up by doing fifth root fifth. So the only place the third exists is in the bass. And that gives kind of, a, again, a lighter feel that. And so, you know, everything is just has a, a feel about it. So in that, if, you, if you were like, hey, play, play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And then I might want to blues it up. So what I did was I took the four chord, but I flatted the seventh. So wait, so the four chord, the, the F chord, what, what, what's the four chord in this case? It's F, it would be F major, but I took, I added an E flat. Huh. And I could, I could, I could also go. Uh, so now I'm kind of, that's like a gospel move. F7. Huh. Move the bass up to an F sharp, make it a, a, an F sharp diminished. Uh, and then like. And then so there I go to like a minor four, which has a certain feel inside of a major key. So minor four in this case would be F, A flat. What would the minor yeah, fourth so be? So minor four six would be F, A flat, C, and D, which is actually an inversion of a half diminished chord on the two D, F, A flat, C. And that just has, you know, this, this would be like a gospel treatment. Um, that would probably work well. And I could even go secondary dominant. But so now I'm on an A7. And then I would go 2-5-1. Two, what do you mean 2-5-1? Uh, so 2-5 is going to be a D minor chord. Followed by a G dominant chord. And then instead of going to the 1, I could. there's some false resolutions. That's cool. So what, what was that first chord in the false resolution? Uh, that was an A flat major chord. So it's a, it's a, you take the minor six and build a major triad off of it. And then the third of that chord is the root of your key. And because you're using an A flat, which implies a minor tonality, but it's still a major chord, it kind of gives it this weird, this weird shift. So again, let me do that from scratch. And especially even on this chord, if I flat the sevens, uh, 
I do? Hold on, let me try to remember what I did. Man, that's great. And so when you're playing one key at a time, you're just playing the keys of the chord. Like sometimes you play the chord and sometimes you play the keys of the chord. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the beautiful thing about the piano is you can be the bass player, the, the melody player, and the rhythm, you know, the fill player at the same time. So I'm, I'm thinking bass line. I mean, I could do... You know, walk the bass line, right? Um, and then you always got to hold down the melody because if you lose the melody, nobody knows what you're playing anymore. Unless you're, unless you're. So when you hold the melody, are you like, for instance, the first note's C, so you're playing around with the C chord, then the second note's G, and do you play the, do you start playing with the G chord or? No, because the G is still part of the C chord. And because uh -huh. I know I'm going to A, which is part of the four chord, it means if I'm still on a note that's in the C chord and I know I'm going to a note that could, that would fit in the four chord, it gives me an opportunity to set up that that C7 to F resolution, so. But I could, I could go, I mean, it, it would be a little weird to go straight to the five. That, that would be a more basic treatment to just go. So yeah, once you once you learn all the intervallic and harmonic implications of different chord functions within a key, and then you learn how those chords operate within certain genres, then it you know becomes like a playground. And so, what what could I what could I read? So obviously, there's fake books which give you all the skeleton of all these songs. But what would be a good thing to learn? Like you were saying. Oh, to give it a gospel feel, to give it a jazz feel, to to walk the melody and that kind of give it a really jazzy feel. Like you said, you learn spent a lot of time learning the intellectual aspects. I could start there. I taught myself out of a book called The Jazz Piano Book by a guy named Mark Levine. And, you know, look, there's a zillion books. I'm not gonna say it's the best or the most inclusive, but I will tell you that like 95% of what I know about basic theory and how to apply it stylistically to different ways of playing the piano, I learned from that book. That's really great. And it's, I mean, I spent a year like studying that, like you would study like an anatomy book for medical school. I mean, it was obsessive. How many hours a day? Eight plus. Wow, eight. I dropped out of high school. I told my parents, there's nothing for me in high school, I want to play piano. I'm not going to go get a job. Save your money. Don't send me to college. Just buy. And they, I said, but if you get me a piano, that would really help. 
Were they, were they like, Jeff, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. You got to get a high school degree. They had been through the ringer with me so much at that point. I think they were just excited to see me excited about something. And you hadn't even, they, were they like, Jeff, you don't even know, you can't even play three notes on a piano. Well, I could play three notes, but I just couldn't play like 30 notes. I mean, I, I had played guitar previously. Like I could sit down and kind of clunk out. Mary had a little lamb. Like I was one of those total amateurs, but yeah, I mean, there was some skepticism, but. What about your friends? Like, did you feel any peer pressure to say, like, did they say, hey, Oh yeah, everybody thought us. I was insane. Everybody thought I was completely insane. How did you have the inner guts to ignore friends, teachers, parents, guidance counselors, history, everything? <laughs> yeah, like common sense. Uh, I don't have a great answer for that, man. Just fierce, a fierce independent streak. Uh, I've always been someone who responds really, I don't know, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I respond aggressively to being told that I can't do things. So the people that may have been trying to protect me were actually making it worse uh, by telling me that I wouldn't, it wasn't a good idea and I wouldn't be able to do it. It just became like, I'll show you. And at the end of the day, you know, I just knew I had one job when I was 16 years old. I worked at a law firm for three weeks. I was miserable. Everybody else there was miserable. And it's a, it's a, a high-end law firm. You know, there's people here making a million dollars a year. Nobody's smiling. So I'm like, well, clearly that's not the solution. So I'm going to at least be free and make music. So while you were studying eight hours a day, were you doing anything else for a living or studying or? No, like my, my parents essentially had told me, we're, you know, we were committed to paying for your life until you were 18, you know, you're a high school student and now you're, you're 16 and you've decided you want to be a piano player. So you've got two years. Well, and so after one year, how good were you? Uh, I was good enough to get a very crappy gig where they paid me with a plate of food. All right. And then after two years, <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't really that much better. I just, I, intellectually, I was better, but it just takes time for things to become natural. You know, uh, it when I was 20 is the first time I actually remember playing and people being like, Hey, that guy's pretty good, you know? Huh. And, uh, and when I was, but when I was 17, no, I guess when I was 18, I started trying to audition for the piano performance department at University of Houston. And, you know, I was like, this, I, I wasn't even dealing with the fact that I didn't finish high school. I was just like, well, if I'm good, they'll let me in. And I got denied and I got denied six semesters in a row. So it took me three years. Uh, but after three years of being self-taught, and actually going and finishing my GED on my own, I was able to actually get in and I ended up getting a full scholarship in jazz piano performance and never ended up paying for school. Wow, so then you, after all of those years of studying on your own, you then studied it and got a degree in it. I did, yeah, I graduated with a, a degree in, in music, composi music composition with an emphasis in jazz piano performance because they didn't actually offer a jazz piano degree. Uh, otherwise I would have just done that, but. And then I minored in, in finance too, to make my, because my dad's a money manager. So I thought he'd be happy. So, so if someone wanted to um, basically, I hate to use the phrase, but skip the line on, uh, you know, spending three years learning, 
the math. Like, like when I was a kid, I spent 10 years taking piano lessons, but just learning how to sight read, which is very unfulfilling ultimately, I found. <laughs> and I always wanted to, like ever since I was a kid, do like kind of what you just did, like that kind of style. What would be like a shortcut so I don't have to spend eight hours a day for three years? Yeah, if there I is mean, one. I, I was, I was, I mean, I, you know, there's a difference between wanting to go play a gig where you have to go sit there for two, three or four hours and play one song after the other, after the other and take requests and chat with people while you're playing. So, you know, that's another level. But if you just want to be able to play enough for personal fulfillment, you can do it in a year. If you just, and a year of, and frankly, what I've learned since is if I had practiced two to four hours a day with great focus and intention, it would have done probably just as much as eight to 10 hours a day. There's a major point of diminishing returns uh, cognitively for me, for anybody, I think with music. I just was, I was, I was bored slash desperate slash on a mission. So I went overkill, but in a few hours a day for a year, you could, Get, I would imagine you could get to where you could hear a tune on the radio, pick it out, add some chords to it, and, and have a lot of fun and impress your friends. So let's say I'm going to shortcut that now. So let's say I had a fake book. So I, have, I don't have to pick out you know, the critical parts just by hearing. I, it's all written out for me. And let's say I focus on one genre. Like clearly you know the languages of every genre. This is gospel. This is blues. This is jazz. If I was to kind of make a hammer so that everything's a, a, a nail. Right. Be like the, the genre you would pick to just really study that in those chord transitions and so on. Uh, I would probably go rock unless you have a deep passion. Well, the problem with classical music is it's so, it's, it's so fleshed out in terms of ornamentation and instrument and, yeah. and co complexity. There's really no way to just do it really simple. Rock music, you can be super simple with. I mean, you can sit down and play a Beatles tune and have great fun doing, you know, the equivalent of, of strumming a guitar where you're just holding basic chord shapes, you know, with your hands and just playing them. And, and event, you know, the, the first not sort of inescapable piece of complexity that you're going to have to deal with to do that is you're going to have to get to where you can play a chord and using mostly these three fingers, still play the melody. Mm. While, I guess actually that's not true. At a most basic level, you could just play the chord with your left hand in a root position, meaning, meaning you've got the, the, the root of the chord at the bottom, and then just play the melody with your right hand and have a great fun. Yeah, actually, I don't, even know, I don't even know that you have to spread it across your two hands. Just play chords with your left hand and the melody with your right hand, and you could be rocking in a few months. And, and w w with the melody, is that where you're doing all the transitions? Like you're going to play the, the seventh and the, the minor fourth? And well, to do that stuff is probably creating a little more coordination between the hands because sometimes you're creating four, three, four, you know, four, five, six note chords. But again, that's why rock is nice because rock doesn't use a lot of these color tones that, that complicate the chord structures. You could basically play 90% of rock tunes with just major and minor chords in your left hand and the melody in your right hand. Yeah, but I like what you were doing with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star with all these different transitions. Does that Well, require... you got to you got to pick your poison. You said you wanted it 
You want to, you want the shortcut or you want to do the hard thing? <laughs> is that the super hard thing? Is there like, so is that like just learning, oh, it's okay to go from the major to the, 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 you know, fourth, uh, minor and then back to the, you know, and then resolve it and then go back to the melody or whatever. Like what are those, what, what's that language? Uh, I mean, jazz is such a great place to start because it's all theory based. Like it's, it's actually, I mean, people, I, I think tend to dismiss jazz as like, it's this fringe thing that like poor black people started doing a hundred years ago. And you know, whatever people's worldview is, dude, jazz is sick. It is like genius level stuff where they took the math that was start that started to emerge from musical theater. And they basically just said, how far can we take this? But the cool thing about it is when you're learning the jazz basics, you're actually, you're learning the real principles that drive music because any, any music form that's based on the ability to improvise has to be based on principles rather than memorization. Mm, mm. And that's what's so powerful about jazz to me is you learn why things do what they do and why they sound how they sound. And when you start to do that, then you have the ability that you're talking about to, to you know, treat it like a, like a language, like a, like a creation. And so, so do you think I can learn that from the jazz piano book? I did. Excellent. Well, this is great. This is, this is a mini podcast right, the whole in the other episode, right here. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, well, thanks for that, Jeff. And now we're going to talk about what you did after being uh, a jazz pianist. So, <laughs> totally. Um, Jay, that's a, a cut on that. <laughs> <laughs>